This is Personal Jurisdiction, a podcast where we get personal with lawyers about their careers. We're your hosts. I'm Allison Friedman. And I'm Hallie Ritsu. Over the past two seasons, nearly all of our guests have talked about the huge impact that participating in their law school clinics had on their legal education and career path. So we decided to put together a special series to learn more about current law students' clinic experiences. That means this June, we're featuring law students from schools across the country to talk about their experiences in law school clinics and how their work in the clinics has shaped their law school experience and their plans for the future. We hope you enjoy the Student Clinic Spotlight series. Hello, hello. In the first episode of our Student Clinic Spotlight series, we are talking to Derek Wallace. Derek just graduated from the George Washington University Law School in Washington, D.C. During law school, Derek participated in the Small Business and Community Economic Development Clinic. We're excited to hear from Derek about his clinic experience and any advice he has for law students. Okay, welcome back to Personal Jurisdiction and a special series that we are sharing this summer with student spotlights from different legal clinics and different law schools across the country. We're so happy to welcome Derek Wallace here today. Hi, Derek. It's great to see you. Hi, how are you? Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Derek, we are going to start where we always start in our episodes and ask you, what led you to law school? So it's a two-part story in a lot of ways. So number one, I am born and raised in Mount Vernon, New York, graduated in 2015, decided to go to Northwestern, so a 30-minute drive outside of Chicago City. And I started there as an econ major. So law school was definitely not on my mind initially. At that time, I had also started as a Chinese major. So I took Chinese language courses for all four years at Northwestern. And uh, halfway through, so at the end of my sophomore year, I decided that econ and I were not meshing super well. I had always <laughs> had a stronger background in kind of reading and writing, mm-hmm. going back to high school. So I knew that that was probably what my, what my skill set would be, where, where I would be best at. So I dropped the econ portion and I continued on with an Asian languages and cultures major with a concentration in Chinese and an Asian humanities minor. The second part of the story is that I have an older sister who's 11 years older than me who had actually went to law school. So she went to American University and got her JD MBA. So of course she was there. I had watched her become so accomplished. She's spoken highly about her legal education and everything that she's able to do now as a practicing attorney. So between my love for reading and writing and my sister being an attorney, I felt like going to law school was the next natural step for me. Never really contemplated taking a gap, so I went straight through. So I graduated in June of 2019. And I started at GW Law in August of 2019. Awesome. And Derek, you worked, I think, a little bit in real estate. And I know that you are interested in real estate now. So can you tell us how that initial experience in real estate also maybe helped propel you to law school? Yes. So during my freshman and sophomore years at Northwestern, I had a chance to work as an assistant to a real estate broker back home in Mount Vernon, New York. My first summer didn't do too much, you know, kind of like basic stuff. My second year, I was able to get a little more substantive work, got to tour some properties, kind of set them up, prepare them from open houses and things of that nature. And talking to the broker I was working for, she had mentioned that she had been doing this work for 20 years. Lawyers are obviously an essential part to any real estate transaction. So I would speak to lawyers at times. And obviously that was that was necessary for her work. 
but because she was not a licensed attorney, she could never do that work herself. So she made the recommendation to me that if I wanted to be in real estate long-term, and if I really wanted to reap everything the business had to offer, just to consider getting a legal education. So by the time I had finished that up at the end of my sophomore, or I guess my sophomore summer, yes, that kind of converged with this burgeoning interest in law. And that, as you mentioned, is, is what I planned to practice when I came to law school. So all of my application materials related to that as well. And that kind of feeds into your experience in the small business and community economic development clinic. That's a mouthful at George Washington. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about that clinic and your experience with that clinic. Yes. So I'll say my experience has been a little bit longer than most because I had the chance to work with our beloved director of the small business clinic, Professor Susan Jones. I actually signed on with her as a research assistant during my first year summer. So during the pandemic summer, when we were just getting into things, was Mm -hmm. desperately looking for some legal work. And she took a chance on me, which I'm eternally grateful for. So I wasn't thinking too much about clinics when I first came to law school, was really trying to just kind of get my bearings. But working with her, it's a big part of what she does. And it's a big part of what I kind of assisted with as her research assistant. So that kind of piqued my interest. I knew that I didn't want to do litigation work, and GW has a lot of clinics. I think we're at about 14, but the small business clinic at that time was the only one that was transactional focused and really related to kind of business work. So I knew that that was kind of what I was geared towards, and working with Professor Jones piqued my interest. In addition to that, I was able to really sit in on a clinic class, a clinic cohort, at the beginning of my 2L year. So at that point, I'd watched pretty much everything I did. I didn't have to do any of the work, which I enjoyed, (laughs) but I kind of sat in, saw the conversations, saw the discussions, and I knew at that point that it was something that I wanted to do. At GW Law, you have to take both corporations and federal income tax as prerequisites prior to starting the small business clinic. Sometimes you can take it during the actual clinic. You could not do this with this one. So at the end of my 2.0 year, and I had also written a paper with Professor Susan Jones on homeownership in Evanston, they were piloting a uh, housing-based reparations program. So we'd become very close. I had applied for the clinic, you know, submitted my applications, my materials, and I got accepted at the end of my 2.0 year to join the clinic officially at the beginning of my 3.0 year. So that would be the fall of 2021, which also coincides with us returning to in-person instruction. So I would think that most people would probably just kind of get started with the application process, but I had seen the clinic, I had known about it, and I had interacted with some previous clinic members as well. That's so smart, Derek, to think about working as a TA for a professor and getting almost extra time in the clinic before you're actually participating in the work. That's such a great idea, such a great perspective. Yeah. And I think on top of that, it wasn't just a legal experience. Professor Susan Jones has been a mentor to me in a lot of ways as well. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, even though I had a sister who had gone to law school, things had changed in the last 10 to 12 years. Um, And it's important to expand your network and hear from different perspectives. And Professor Jones has been doing this for a long time. So even as I'm working during her research system, she's having me think about expanding my network, really honing in on what I want to do, and then also kind of being aggressive and looking for summer positions. I didn't have the kind of cushy 1L summer associate job and whatnot. So I was very much so looking for full or summer employment while I was working as her research assistant. So yeah, it's certainly something that I would recommend to anyone because it was just a great resource, a great friend, and also someone who can speak knowledgeably about the legal field. 
even when I was networking and being focused on real estate, so many of the people I, I talked to, oh, I did a small business clinic. How is Professor Jones doing? Tell her I said hello, things of that nature. So it's a great networking tool as well. So I really, really enjoyed that relationship. I love that, Derek. That's great advice. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of cases that yes. you worked on during your 3L year once you were in the clinic, kind of yeah. full-time taking on cases and, and working with live clients? So the small business clinic was really, really interesting with eight of us total. And we basically break up into two groups of four. We have one class client that all eight of us are responsible for. And then each smaller group has about three to four clients in addition to that, that they're also responsible for. So I had chosen to be the group one representative for our class client. That client was a nonprofit that dealed with kind of the equity transportation space as it relates to the DC streetcar. So we oh. signed up to do that. And it was really, really interesting. So that was my main priority. There were some other things we worked with an interpreting business as well. And we also had another small business that was trying to navigate basically working from home and whether or not that was okay and, and things of that nature. But a vast majority of the work that I did related to our nonprofit client and pretty much putting them in a position to apply for 501c3 status so they could be eligible for tax exempt donations was a big part of what I did. Awesome. That sounds really cool. Did you have a seminar portion that kind of went with the work that you yes, were doing in the clinic? 100%. And what did that look like? And how do those two things play off of each other, the seminar and yeah. the casework you were doing? So our setup at GW was that we had a two-hour seminar on a weekly basis, in addition to our kind of meeting point where each group would meet with Professor Jones privately. So that was, took place on a Wednesday, and we would pretty much be working for about three and a half hours in that large group and in that small group as well. So of course, we kind of like worked through some outstanding questions, but a majority of the actual work that was being done was actually outside of that seminar period. During the seminar, we would be introduced to different DC resources, different business structures, and things of that nature to really give us kind of a robust picture of all the things that we could do as transactional attorneys. Because obviously, when you're working with one client, you get really good at doing their work. And the seminar portion allowed us to kind of leave with just a broader understanding of everything that's required to make a business successful. Derek, we know that you went into law school, as you said, you didn't want to do litigation. Yes. You already knew you wanted to do transactional law and you knew specifically you wanted to do real estate law. Yes. So you had sort of a path forward. You obviously chose a transactional focused clinic. Yes. But were there things about the clinic that surprised you or maybe, you know, opened your eyes to things that you didn't expect, even though you knew a lot of what you wanted to do going into law school? Yeah, 100%. I think the working with clients piece. Honestly, like, so this happened after my 2 summer. So I did have a chance to work at a firm at that point. And I did some really great quality work, but I didn't have to deal with clients. I didn't have to, you know, ask them follow-up questions or be responsive to them in any significant way. And I feel like with the clinic, the work itself was not jarring to me because I'd written memos before I had done research. But actually having clients email you things that you hadn't even contemplated. We would have a standing <laughs> meeting with our client, for example. So sometimes we would have to cancel it due to other constraints. Sometimes they would cancel it. Sometimes they're asking us questions in real time and we didn't prepare an answer and we didn't feel comfortable just saying what was on the top of our head. There were other times when we're getting multiple emails. We had asked for documents, they come in and then they're missing something. We have to correspond about that. 
So I think the client piece wasn't surprising, but it was something that I had not done before. And there was certainly a learning curve there because it's writing, right? It's it's not a memo where you kind of send it out and someone reads it or they don't read it. This is emailing in real time and having to be very clear and selective about the words you use to ensure that your client understands what's happening and that you get what you need. Because I think at times, if we send out an email and forget to put in a question or something, then we kind of look like we don't have everything together. Mm -hmm. And we were learning. And of course, our client knew that coming in. But I wanted to portray ourselves in the best way possible. So we we practiced that. We honed that skill as the semester continued. That's such a great contrast between what it's like to work as a summer associate at a firm, and then the different and very helpful experience you're getting as an attorney in a legal clinic. Yes. What skills do you feel like you have been able to take away from the clinic and that will aid you in your future legal practice? Number one, the collaboration piece. I really enjoyed it. It's been by far my most collaborative experience in law school. And there were times like, for example, we were working on the 501c3 application for our client. And there was a point where there was a portion where I just was very stressed. I was looking for full-time employment. I had a lot on my plate. Um, And at a certain point, I just texted one of my, you know, group mates. And I said, hey, I need you to hop on a call and just talk through it with me. Like we can listen to music, we can do whatever. But of course, as a law student, I think we're really trained to do it all on our own. I was never really big on kind of study groups or things like that. So I didn't have much collaboration experience. And clinic kind of forces you to collaborate, whether it's you asking for help, someone else asking you for help, or also if you just want to make sure that the work is being evenly distributed between, for us, what was four people. We also had times when someone wasn't able to do something because they had some other things that they were focused on, and we had to kind of show up for them in that way as well. So collaboration, number one, and being able to articulate my needs to other people who are committed to the same kind of end was definitely important. I think number two, email etiquette. So I think I've emailed a lot in some of my organizational work, but it's a different tone when your email could potentially have legal implications or legal consequences. So ensuring that, you know, no typos, no mistakes, and that it makes sense to a non-legal audience. Mm -hmm. And I guess making that a separate point in and of itself, ensuring that it's not too legal. Like, you know, you have to get (laughs) the point across. But ensuring that there's so much that we have been trained to incorporate, like here and after, state phrases like that, that are like, okay, that's, <laughs> yes, I've read that. No one needs least, to be yeah. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk like that, exactly. actually. So, so, thinking, so I think a big part of it is me drafting something and then getting feedback from Professor Jones, cutting things, simplifying things, and asking the question of, does the client really need to know this? And, you know, you're drafting it, you wrote it, you're like, I think these are the best sentences I've ever written. But sometimes you just need to cut them and make sure that you are answering the client's question while also not, you know, creating unnecessary questions as well. Um, So I would say it was those three things that I could take away. But overall, it was a a super enjoyable experience. And I know that transactional work is certainly what I'm called to do. So, yeah. Derek, you are days away from graduation (laughs) from law school. We're so excited for you. And you mentioned a couple minutes ago that even though your sister went to law school, it it was a little while ago. And so I wonder if you have advice for law students that you would want to share. Of course. So as you mentioned, I'm days away from graduation. I don't know where the time has gone, in large part to the (laughs) pandemic, obviously. Um, But 
as I'm finishing up, I'm definitely not only in a reflective space, but also kind of looking to the future and thinking about, you know, what I learned over these last three years and what I can put into the next three or the next three after that. Advice wise, I think number one, network. I think that, you know, I thought that I had, I thought I had a network prior to coming and I thought that I was good to reach, uh, good at reaching out to people and things of that nature. But being in law school, it's, it's a totally different beast. I know that I felt like the whole LinkedIn boom, I totally missed that. Like, I don't know when everybody <laughs> got on LinkedIn. I was resistant to it, honestly. I kind of didn't think that I needed it, but I 100% need it now. And I think mm-hmm. that it benefits anyone who is anyone who's coming to law school to expand your network and to talk to people that are practicing, other law students, et cetera, et cetera, just so you have a more robust understanding of what the legal field has to offer. So number one, network, network, network. I think number two, creating a group of friends that you can confide in, that you can be honest with. I know that law school is very competitive and that's a nature of the beast. And we could have a whole separate conversation as to whether or not that should be the case. But having people that you can rely on, that you can have a good time with, that you can, you know, take your kind of 10 minutes to be stressed out and then get back to the work that needs to be done. I think it's really important. And I think number three, being committed to an organization or something that really fuels your passions outside of the classroom. GW, for example, didn't have a real estate group. I think there's one being formed, you know, as we speak. So I missed that one. But our Black Law Students Association has really served as a great resource, a great outlet for me. Um, I have a strong background in kind of work in the Black community. I, I worked with a couple of organizations at Northwestern. Um, so I had the awesome opportunity to be our 1L coordinator for GW Law's BALSA chapter my second year. And then I went on to serve as, our, uh, as BALSA president during my third year. And that was awesome. We did so much collaboration, so much academic support, so much employment work as well. And it's been nice to go through BOLSA as a member, as a member of the executive board, and then actually as president of the organization. So I think networking, having your core group of friends, and then working alongside an organization are all essential to being successful in law school. Derek, I know that you also were really involved with BALSA during COVID. So I'm curious if you have ideas for building community in a virtual world. Obviously, it's awesome that you got to do clinic in person and go back to in person. But there are some things that are going to stick around, I think, in terms of, you know, the virtual world. So you are on the forefront of, you know, the, the virtual space and collaborating in that space. So what ideas do you have that might, you know, help law students and and young lawyers for collaborating online? Yes. So I think, as you mentioned, we were really at the forefront of kind of virtual programming. And it was certainly a challenge because there were so many things that we didn't know back then that we know now. Having organized both in person and virtually, I have a preference for regular meeting points as opposed to like a build up to one big meeting point. That's just my preference. I found that my relationships tend to get a lot deeper and less superficial when it's not this one off, when we have opportunities to regularly meet and do a variety of things. So one thing that we had implemented during my two year, we had maybe it was a biweekly phone call on Sunday evenings. And we would have people just hop on, we would talk, debrief during the week, give them updates, and really create a forum for people to talk about what they were experiencing. And I'm not saying that every phone call had 100 people on it, because that's not what the case was. But we were committed to providing a space in which people could come, decompress, and just kind of talk through what had happened during the previous week and really think about what they wanted to change, 
and implement for the weeks to come. So regular meeting points virtually, I thought Zoom was a great forum for that. I think in an ideal world, we get a variety, right? Because there are some times when you don't want to leave your house and a Zoom mm-hmm. option is great for that. Other times you want to be in person, you want to have food, you want a fellowship. And I think that as Bolsa president, I really had the flexibility to do both. Even during our Black History Month, we were committed to having a variety. And that was when COVID had spiked for the umpteenth time, right? So we weren't really in person. <laughs> so we had to pivot and we were able to, for example, we did like a wind down Wednesday where we watched an episode of Abbott Elementary and people had drinks or didn't have drinks. But once again, it was just kind of a cool event that coincided with our larger Black History Month programming, but was something that we could host virtually. And having that event, I thought we could do this on a more regular basis. It doesn't have to be just during Black History Month. I definitely think that there is a need for law students to decompress and to put the books aside for 45 minutes for an hour and fellowship with their fellow classmates. So I think regular meeting points um, is certainly something that I would try to incorporate in any organization, anything that I was doing, so people can develop those meaningful relationships. That's such great advice for law students, for everyone, really. Derek, what does success mean to you? So this is one that I think about a lot. Um, And it's one that's always changing. I think success for me is being at my best. And I think that that, well, I guess that's another (laughs) ambiguous term. But for (laughs) me, it means being honest, being transparent, being a good friend, being an advocate, and really pushing my thoughts, pushing my beliefs, and being open to new perspectives um, is really what that means for me. I know that it means something else for a lot of people. I think another piece of that would be building community. I really feel as though I've had so many opportunities to work under great leaders, to serve as a leader, to serve as a mentor, mentee, so on and so forth. And I really love bringing people together and creating spaces for us to show up authentically and honestly. So I find myself to be successful whenever I'm able to create that, however that comes together. So if it's in Zoom, if we have a bunch of food, if we have no food, if it's 20 people, if it's 200 people, when I can bring people together and we can be happy and and joyful, that is success to me, in addition to everything else. Derek, we want to give you some time to enjoy your week before graduation and not having to study. (laughs) So we'll ask you just one last question. If you can share with us what your plans are for after graduation and after the bar. Yes. So I graduate in a couple of days. I will start my bar prep on Monday, May 16th. So shout out (laughs) to all of my fellow graduates (laughs) barking on the same process. We finish up at the end of July. So I'll sit for the Maryland bar, July 26th, 27th. I'll actually turn 25 shortly thereafter on July 29th. Oh my goodness. So thankfully I'm after the bar as opposed to before. Yeah. Um, And then I will start in the middle of October at a firm called Goulston and Stores. They're headquartered in Boston, Massachusetts. They have a DC office and their largest practice group by far is real estate. So I have the chance to be exposed to land use law, purchase and sale agreements, real estate financing, leasing. So I'm really looking forward to getting a comprehensive look at real estate law and then ultimately deciding what I want to specialize in. So those are my plans afterwards. Wonderful. Yes. Well, Derek, thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us about your experience at GW. 
and in the clinic. We're so excited to follow your career and, and see what happens next for you. So thanks so much for sharing your time with us today and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. congrats. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here and I look forward to following y'all's programming um, moving forward as well. Thank you so much. All thanks. right, bye. Personal Jurisdiction is powered and distributed by Simplecast. You don't have to wait until next week to hear more. You can find us online at personaljxpod.com and on Twitter at personaljxpod. Don't forget to subscribe to Personal Jurisdiction on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen so that you can be updated on the latest and greatest from Personal Jurisdiction. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate us five stars and leave a positive review so that other listeners can find our show too.